Take your Bibles, if you would, open up to Psalm chapter number 40. Psalm chapter number 40. Thank you, JC. One of my favorite songs. So thank you for that. It was an extra blessing this morning. Thank you for everyone who do participate um, in the services. It does not go without notice. Um, wanted to give you an update. Sean mentioned uh, about uh, the teens and um, our our teen group is, uh, has been uh, has just been a blessing here, uh, especially lately. Uh, not uh, not that anything dramatic has ch- happened, but um, uh, we've seen a dramatic growth on Wednesday nights, and and uh, a number of teens have invited others to come, and uh, uh, we're really at a point when the, in the, with the uh, the youth room where we're almost out of space. I've actually had to add another row and and preach closer to the uh, chalkboard than towards the back row. So uh, that's that's been uh, it's been a huge blessing, and and it's the lifeblood of the church. Um, it really is. It's our next generation, and uh, thankful to have uh, families that are here, uh, families that are involved and and willing to support that. So I greatly appreciate that. In uh, Psalm chapter number 40, we're going to be uh, reading through uh, and, and just doing a study this morning. It's not going to be, I don't have a, a topical message. This is just simply going to be a, a verse study as we go through Psalm number 40. Honestly, there is there's so much here that um, each verse could be an individual message, but we're going to kind of skim along here and at least hit the first five verses I will read through the the the, uh, our, uh, our, the whole passage, and then we'll jump into our lesson here. But in Psalm chapter number forty, I want to thank Pastor Scott for giving me the opportunity to do this, and um, I do not take it lightly uh, the the uh, the opportunity to be up here. And I just pray that the Lord will uh, use His Word to to uh, challenge all of us, including myself. So let's start in verse number one. Uh, we'll read all the way through the passage, and then we'll uh, then we'll pray, and we'll jump into the lesson here. Psalm chapter number 40, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of, a, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it, and fear, and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust, and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord, my God, are thy wonderful works which, which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Sacrifice and offerings thou didst desire, mine ears hast thou opened, burnt offerings and sin offerings hast thou not required. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume <clears throat> of the book that is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips, O Lord, thou knowest. I have not hid thy righteousness within mine heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from thy from the great congregation withhold not me withhold not thou thy tender mercies from me o lord let thy loving kindness and thy truth continually preserve me for innumerable evils have compassed me about mine iniquities have taken hold upon me so that i am not able to look up they are more than the hairs on mine head therefore my heart faileth thee 
be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let them be ashamed and confounded together that seek after my soul to destroy it. Let them be driven backward and put to shame that wish me evil. Let them be desolate for a reward of their shame that say unto me, Aha, aha. Let those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified. But I am poor and needy. Yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Thou art my help and my deliverer. Make no tarrying, O my God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, again, do thank you for this passage of, of Scripture, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to gather in your house, Lord. This is your church. This is your lesson. This is your word. And God, I pray as we get ready to start into what is um, your word, Lord, I pray that we would look at ourselves for a few moments here, Lord. Is there anything that is standing in between us to be able to, uh, that is going to keep us from understanding or, or hearing clearly or, or being captivated by uh, what it is, Lord, and your goodness to us? God, I do pray for Pastor Scott and Carol as they're away from us, Lord. I do pray that you would strengthen them and uh, help them to have a wonderful time. And uh, Lord, I do thank you for um, just blessing them and, and giving them that opportunity. Lord, I pray as we open up your word right now that you would guide, you would direct, and Lord, that you would show us exactly what it is that we need for our lives today. I thank you in, in, in advance for what you are going to do. In thy name we pray, amen. Here we have in, in Psalm chapter number 40, you have David. David, I love studying about David. David is one of those guys that um, you read about him, and he was, he was out in the field. He was a, a man's man. He was a warrior. He was... He was all of these things that you would identify as a man. But then he, all, throughout Psalms, what do you find? He shares his heart. And he shares his, his, his desires. He shares his thoughts. Okay? Something that us men are not really good about. I, I find it interesting that he wrote these things down. He didn't share them with his wife. But that, that's beside the point. Uh, but he, he did write that he, he did share his thoughts with us, and his thoughts are, are are his feelings or what he's going through. And Psalm chapter number forty is it's actually a psalm that is described as a song of praise and a prayer for help. And many of many of the psalms you find that David has this same uh, agenda, if you will, in his prayer life. He starts the psalms with, with praising God for his goodness. And at the end of the song, then he comes in and says, Okay, God, you have done the, all these amazing things in my life. Now I am going to share with you my, my desire. You've heard it many times from this pulpit. The Lord comes on a highway of praise. David also believed this and practiced in his own life. David in, in the psalm shares not only the difficulties he's facing, but also his thoughts and feelings throughout the process. Here he is, he's a king he's a, of a nation, he's a valiant warrior, a conqueror of armies, and a, and a conqueror of Goliath, but yet he is willing to admit his own vulnerabilities to us and to God, and through these letters. In Psalm chapter number 1, you have the, this, this first, uh, in, I'm sorry, in Psalm chapter number 40, in verse number 1, David starts, and this is where we're going to start in verse number one. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. I waited patiently. In a world of instant gratification, we are an, an, an annoyingly impatient.
patient people. Think of the last time you were at Wendy's, McDonald's, any, any type of drive through And if it took longer than five minutes, what were you doing? What about that drive through You order, you pull up, it's there. If it's not there, what do you do? Oh, yeah, I, I, I can't believe this. I can't, I, 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 they don't have my food already here. I, we are an impatient people. Many times what has happened is this, this world of instant gratification or, or, or instant society has delved over into our prayer life and into our, uh, into, our, into our relationship with the Lord. Many times when we pray, our impatience has a tendency to get the best of us and our prayers tend to turn into demands as opposed to taking the time to step back and wait patiently for the Lord. All us parents that are here, we know what impatience is, okay? We have children. I have one child specifically who is extremely impatient. I won't point him out, but he's my almost opaque son. But anyways, uh, he, he, he's impatient all the time. And, and, and if he asks me for something, I better give it to him now, and we better do it now, because he will then, I, I get calls from his mother at work, like, I don't know what's going on with this kid. I'm, I, I'm like, I know. Just tell him. Chill. Okay. Now, I also have uh, sons and daughters who, who or a son and daughter who, who I will tell them, hey, we're going to go do this. And they don't think a thing about it. They don't ask me again about it. They don't, they don't demand we do it now. They don't. Uh, now, uh, there are benefits to both because usually uh, if the impatient one uh, tends to get his things faster, but, uh, it, but you get the idea here that, that there is an impatience there. But Now, I love them both dearly. I love all of my children dearly. But one is the confidence of impatience, uh, the idea of my parents will do this. Now, this also happens on car rides, okay? Uh, you guys have all traveled as, as families and, and extended Okay, there is a certain impatience that happens. Uh, I, you know, when we, we just got back from Florida and driving back, back and forth there, and you go extended periods of time. And what do you always hear from the back? <laughs> Are we there yet? That's the first thing. We were driving to Florida, and we didn't make it to, I don't think we made it to Prairie City, and, and Ella was like, uh, are we almost there? And I'm like... We got 18 strong hours here, girl. You got a long way to go. There's also, what do you hear from the back? When are we going to eat? I got now. There is one emergency. It's I got to go. You know, then you pull right over. You got to deal with those. But you understand, there's an impatience here. But this impatience that, that David is talking about is I waited patiently for the Lord. Patiently waiting is living in the rest and peace. That God is in control of his timeline, and that timeline is perfect. There is blessing in waiting patiently. Even in the waiting portion of our request, we can be blessed just by waiting patiently. Let's not forget, we serve him. He does not serve us. It is our job to wait patiently. The next phrase there is, and he inclined unto me. This, this phrase we understate many times. I've heard many messages on this, and, uh, and, and many times it's just kind of just glossed over. God inclining to us 
is the idea that he's changing his direction or, or whatever it might be, his attention, and he is inclining, he is focusing on us. We understand this phrase that God is inclining to us, the God of creation, the one who balances the universes, the one who sent his son to die and loves us, inclines or directs his attention to us. There is significant power when you actually begin to realize you now have the attention of the Almighty God. Now your prayer life takes on a completely different mode. I talk to teenagers. I talk to CEOs that own large companies. The way I talk to a teenager is much different than the way that I talk to CEO of a major corporation. Okay? There's references that they get because of modern culture that the CEO is not going to get. But my language needs to change because I understand who my audience is. When we realize who it is that we talk to, and when we're waiting patiently, and we realize he inclines, and then what's it, the, the ending verse that says, and he heard my cry. God hears us when we have needs. When we need him the most, when no one else is listening, when we feel alone, God is there, listening from his phone, from his, not his phone, his throne. <laughs> Thank you. Teenagers are worse, are terrible about this. I make a mistake and they laugh at me for like 20 minutes and I lose them, but hopefully we'll get over that. Uh, from his throne, okay, so from his throne. Uh, so he is listening. Here, here we have the God Almighty listening to us, hearing our cry. Now, we, if you've ever had children, and, and, and what, is, what is amazing to me is uh, in my life, uh, when, when we had children, uh, babies especially, Carrie was really good. The babies never cried at night. I don't know what Carrie was talking about, but she always says they cried at night. I never heard them. It was, or ignorance or whatever it was, but she would always... The, the, the moment that baby would cry, automatically it's a, okay, what's going on? Or one of the kids cry or anything like that. All of a sudden you see that and you immediately have that attention. Well, he is our father. He's, has our, he's directed his attention to us and he hears us when we cry. This is the idea of, uh, of our emotional needs, our, our needs at that moment. And when he hears our cry, it's the idea he is continuing to fix, he wants to help in that situation. As a mother and father want to help and may not be able to necessarily totally fix the problem, but comfort and love can get us through that. We've had kids that, in, in our family that have gotten hurt. Uh, we've had surgeries that have happened. Uh, I've had uh, broken arms and, 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 uh, and broken collarbones and, and, and all of these different things. And and in those moments, you find out what, what you can stomach as, as, a, as a parent. Uh, I, I can remember when Drew broke his, broke his arm, and, and Carrie said he's running down the street, and his arm's, like, circling around like that. And, and now, 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 Carrie cannot fix that, correct? I mean, she cannot fix that problem. But what she can do is she can comfort him, and she can help him through that problem, and, and we took him to the doctors, and they reset his bones and all that, and they put him in a cast. And, but in, even in the terror of that moment, what did he want? He wasn't screaming, Mom, take me to the hospital. What was he screaming? <laughs> Mom. He was, he was yelling, and he was crying, and he was running to 
his, his mother, because that's where he needed to be. See, that's what, the, the, when, when we look at this, it's the idea that, uh, that God loves us and to the point that he wants to, to, he wants to help us through that situation. Now, the situation itself may not change. Whether that be a, an illness or a financial difficulty, that, that may still be there. But the love and joy and peace that God gives in that moment to help someone who is hurting, what happens? Allows us to get through those moments with, not with ease, but with, with better understanding and the, of the love that God has for us and can, and can sustain us. In verse number two, David goes on here and he begins to talk about a little bit about his difficulties. He doesn't go into specific detail. But it doesn't sound good, okay? He said, he brought, up me all, he, he brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of, a, out of a miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. The horrible pit that he brought him out of. Whatever this situation is, we understand one thing. It's not pleasant. Whatever it did, it needed to be fixed. And David is, asking, is, is saying, God did this in my life. God challenged me in, in this one area, or God showed me this, this goodness in this one area. But one thing I want to take it even a step further. We as Christians, we as adults, we as mature Christians, we need to be careful to not minimize what others are going through when they're going through difficulties. Just bear with me just for a moment and give me, and give me ear to this and, and, and maybe you'll get, gain my, my thought process here. I'll use the teen group as, as an example. Make sure they're all awake and alert, alert. So you guys are good? Okay, good. Okay, teen group. I get the blessing of dealing with all different ages of teens. When they come in, uh, some of them have been as young as 11, uh, sometimes 12 years old. And I get all the way up to 18, sometimes 19, even 20 years old, they'll still be in the youth group. Love the group dearly. The difficulties in that group alone, are very different. An 11 and 12 year old, a, a, a horrible pit, and a miry clay, and, and, and all of these difficulties may revolve around things like uh, friendship, uh, getting their homework done, keeping their room clean, and respecting their parents. Now, that's for a 12 year old. Now you fast forward six years, seven years of their life, and an 18-year-old. What's an 18-year-old looking at? I'll tell you what an 18-year-old looking at. They're looking at graduation. They're looking at, am I supposed to go to college? What am I supposed to study? What is God calling me to do with the rest of my life? Where am I supposed to go to meet my future, my future mate? Um, what, what is it that, uh, what is the direction that I want to take with my life? Is this, is there some place that I need to go? Is some, some, you're talking about a grand, a wide berth between the two. Now, which one's more important? They're both the same. Now, with us as, as, as adults, there are differing levels of Christian maturity even in this room. You have some that are, are baby Christians, new Christians, and, and we welcome you to the family. We have some that are, are very aged and very mature Christians and, 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 very, and have gone through the fire, so to speak. And we, sometimes we can take the stance of, of looking at uh, somebody going through something and they're making a really big deal about something and you, and you go, 
that's nothing. Come on. That's no big deal. Well, in their spiritual walk, it may be something very big in their life at that moment. And at your point in your life, be thankful that you've gone through that. You have that experience. You have that, 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 uh, that history behind you to be able to, to say, yes, God is in control. The situation is not, the, the idea that, that, we have, uh, that we have the experience does not give us the right to minimize what someone else is going through. My challenge to you this morning is, is when we're going through the pit and fire and the miry clay and all of those things, is to be a blessing. It's to be an encouragement to each other. And the next part of the verse, it says this, and, and, and David says, And set my feet upon a rock and establish my goings. God restores and strengthens David after going through all of this. One of the things that changed my thinking on, on a lot of things about this was the idea of restoration. I don't know how many of you, there's not many of these shows on anymore. Uh, I, you have to kind of catch them on, on some subscription channels or whatnot. But uh, restoration shows, I love restoration shows, love them. I like it when they take an old car uh, that's in the, in the junkyard and they, they completely restore it. They tear it all the way down to the frame. Uh, they make it almost new. Uh, there was one show that I watched, a guy in, that was in Las Vegas that took um, old toys, like old, like, uh, uh, toy, like from the 50s and 60s, and would completely redo them and, and jukeboxes and all. It was amazing to see what this guy was able to do. And there was something that he said that is always, and this is, it's not a spiritual show. It's a, he said, this is better than new. When God says here, he says, I, I restored them, I put my feet, I, I, I take them and I set them upon a rock and establish them. It's the idea that he has restored us to new. He hasn't taken what some people do when they do car mechanics and they take out the duct tape and they take out the Bondo or, they, and they do, or chicken wire uh, you know, holding up the muffler as it's driving down the road, and, and, and you see it, and you, you shake your head at it, but that's not what God's talking about. That's not what confession of sins is. That's not what restoration is. Restoration is the idea that, that when God takes us and sets us back up on the rock, he's saying, you are new again. You are new. Move on and go. This idea that we have... Uh, we have an opportunity to stand on the rock. The rock there is obviously the reference to God there. Now, obviously, the establishing of our, our goings is that he sets the firm foundation and then shows us the next steps. That's what it says there. As, at the end of the verse, it says, establish my goings. That's something I, I've, I've talked to the teens about when we talk about what it means to find out or, 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 or search out what, it, what God has for your plans in life. And this is, this is something that is not revolutionary. You've heard it from the pulpit before. But God does not give you a blueprint or a, uh, a, a full atlas of your next steps or, or of your full steps of your full story. What does he do? It's the next step. It's the next steps, maybe. You may, have, you may have a long life ahead of you, you may have short life, whatever it might be, but you, whatever it is, you may only see the next step or the next two or three steps. It's not the idea that God is going to give us our complete road map. It's the idea that he is going to establish it, and even in establishing it with the little things, the little step, it's the idea that he is the one that is directing it. Now, 
after all that, you've gone through verses 1 and 2. You see that he waited patiently. You've seen that we, he, he's inclined to us. He's heard my cry. He's seen that the, the troubles. He's restored me. He's put me back up on the rock. He establishes my goings. And what does it say? It says, and he put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Now, despite what Pastor Sean will tell you, this does not mean you walk around and sing all the time. Uh, I'm just saying. Uh, now, but it does mean that there is a change, okay? When we are restored in Christ, we are a changed individual. If we are not, in the idea of he puts a new song in our mouth, if we are not, this means we are holding on to doubt and fear. There should be relief. There should be joy that God is in control. A new song is a change of direction. A new song is, is what is happening in here that comes out here. That's very interesting. I, I, I tell the teenagers this and all the time. I said, you know, what usually comes out of here is usually an indication of what's going on in here. And they just look at me and go, okay. And, and they wonder why I look at them and go, wow, you, you, we need to spend more time on, on talking about some certain topics. The idea of it is this. There is a change in you. God has restored you. And there should be a change in your actions. There should be a change in your, your words. And, and, and in this case, it uses the word song there. But why is that important? If that change doesn't occur, well, it tells you why. And the end of the next verse, next part of the verse, it says, and, "And he put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God, our direction, our praise is to Him." And what's it say? It says that many or many shall hear it, and fear, and shall trust in the Lord. The unsaved are watching us. Other believers are watching us. What are we showing them? One of the biggest failures of modern-day Christianity is the failure to show the world a change or a difference in the way we live our life as a result of the impact that God has had on it. Instead, we as Christians are paralyzed by our own emotion and desire to be accepted by the world to be able to, that we lack the ability to be able to show a difference for what God has caused us. By continuing to live the way that, that, that the world lives and not showing them a change, we lose the ability to show, show others God's goodness and the change that they need in their own lives. This is something that is, is so needed in the world today. We don't need Christians looking more like the world. We need Christians showing others what God has done in our life. What we also don't need is we don't need Christians taking the Bible and smashing it in people's faces. Because what did it say there? It didn't say that you got convicted and you got changed and then you had the right to go out and judge everybody. What's it say? It, it's very simple. It says, because of your actions, because of the new song, and the praise that's coming into your mouth about God, that many shall see it, 
not the things that you're criticizing them of. It's a, they will see the change in you, and they will fear and trust in the Lord. Now, to be clear, the fear there is they're not scared. It's the idea that they have that respect for the Lord. They realize there is a change there. A great test for you, for me, is to challenge yourself honestly. Is there a difference between the way that I'm living my life? Is there a difference between the way that I respond to situations? Is there a difference in the way that I'm raising my children? Is there a difference in the way that I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I handle uh, my actions? Is there a difference in, the, in my responses? Is there a difference in my desires than what the world has? Because if the only thing that we are showing them is the world and their responses, don't be surprised that they never come to Christ. As, as David continues on here, it's the idea that God is the one that's, that's causing this change. God is the one that is, that is continuing on here. And then in, in, in verse number 4, it says, Blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust, and, respect, and, and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside as turned aside to lies. Blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust. Trust is an amazing thing, is an amazing thing. And many times people get trust and faith mixed up. This is I I just taught the, the lesson here with the with the teens, so I'm gonna forgive me for, for doing this, but we're gonna walk through this because I'm gonna walk through some basics here for you. Okay. I understand you guys have seen this a thousand times. But I want you to understand, this is important for your life. This is important as I was even reading it and, and studying it. Faith is the idea, I believe that chair can hold me up. Now, I have been known to break a few chairs every now and then, and it's caused me to consider my eating habits. But understand, I look at that chair and I say, I believe this, this chair, I have faith that this chair can hold me up. And somebody says, good. And I said, yep. Still believe it. It's right there for me. Well, why don't you sit in it? I believe it. Right there. That chair can hold me up. Am I distributing or am I showing trust in the chair? No. I am displaying faith because I believe that chair can hold me up. Now, I don't know if anybody, everybody can see me. Ugh, I hope I don't pull a hamstring here. Okay, am I distributing complete trust in the chair? No, because my life, okay, now I'm going to have to take a minute to breathe. Okay, I, I, I got to get, I have the idea of I was supporting myself completely. I had partial trust. I was only willing to just put a little bit of weight on it. Okay, now what is absolute trust? Absolute trust is I sit here. I am completely supported by the chair. Thank you, chair, for not breaking. This would have been really embarrassing. So it, it is a wonderful, this is, I'm comfortable. And why don't we preach more from chairs? Okay, so the idea is that I completely trust. Now, in the spiritual realm, faith is a belief. Faith is believing God is who he says he is. If we went around this room, many of you would sit there and say, I believe God is who he says he is. And I would say, I can ask you things like the following. I could say things like, do you believe in God for your salvation? And many of you in here would raise your hand and say, yes, I believe in God for my salvation. 
Then I would ask, do you believe that God is in control of the universe? And you would say, yes, God is in control of the universe. Do you believe God is in control of the problem you're currently facing? Well, you know, it's just one of those things. So you have partial trust, which, if you actually think about it, is lack of faith. Because partial trust is saying that you don't believe that it is, it's going to do what it said it's going to do. So by only giving God your partial trust, you're actually saying to God, I really don't believe you are who you say you are. And the, in, the, in the Bible here, when, when David is talking about this, he is talking about the idea that we are blessed, that maketh the Lord his trust is the idea that we completely trust in God. We as Christians many times appear confident in what we, what we believe. We appear absolute in our faith, but lack confidence in the actual application of faith, of trust. I'm sorry, the application of faith, turning it into trust. Trust is the idea of making a willful choice that God will do what he promises he will do. Our trust is one thing that we as Christians need to be better about. We actually show God that we actually believe in him and love him when he trusts us. The idea, also, the idea of this is that many times our faith and our trust, our faith will be, will be sure, but our trust will be different. Uh, we had, uh, when we were down in Florida, we had a, a pool that we, uh, that at, at the house that we rented. And uh, my daughter, Ella, wanted uh, to go swimming. She's not the best swimmer. She can, she can survive, uh, but she's not women, winning any Olympic medals or anything. So uh, she wanted a raft, a blow-up raft. Uh, so we went to uh, Walmart Dollar General and got her a raft. Now, she was excited because she was going to be able to float on the raft and float all around the pool, and she was excited about that. And she got into the shallow end of the pool. And she gets up on the, on the raft. And, and she is 8 going on 18, I swear. And she's sitting there and she's, Dad, I'm getting sun. And, all, and, and, it's just, it's, and I'm like, okay, stop, you're 8, okay? And, 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 and she's sitting there and she's, she's acting like she's completely relaxed on this raft. Well, the raft starts floating towards the deep end. And it gets out over the deep end and she, go, she looks at me with, fear and panic in her eyes and says, Dad, I'm over the deep end. And I'm like, yeah. So? I could die. And I'm like, well, first off, I'm right here. That doesn't really show me a lot of confidence in me as a dad, but <laughs> I, I can save you. I know how to swim. I, but I sat there and I, 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 said, I said, Ella, so what? You're on the raft. She said, yeah, but I'm over the deep end. I'm like, is the raft holding you up? Yeah. So are you safe? Yeah. I said, so what do you got to worry about? And she looked at me, she goes, oh, yeah. And then she started paddling around, and then she's paddling all around the, the, the pool and with, without a care in the world. Now, many times our trust, we believe God is the God of eternity and God of creation and God of the universe, and then our trust turns into temperamental trust when our situation changes. Our trust in God in church is wonderful. Our trust when we go to our everyday life 
all of a sudden becomes temperamental. And God is there for the easy things, but man, this big thing, I just, I, I don't have it. Now, what, is, what else does David say here in the verse? He says, he says, there's a difference. He said, blessed is the man that, that, that maketh the Lord his trust, meaning his direction is towards the Lord, and respecteth not the proud, nor such as to turn aside to lies. The idea here that, that David is talking about is that, that we have a direction. And it's, and it's spoken many times throughout the Bible. You have two masters. You can serve the one and hate the other or hate the one and serve the other. It, you cannot serve both. And this idea that we have to focus on, if we want to live what the life that, that God wants us to live, we have to focus on him. And our trust alone is in him. This idea that we turn to the world for, uh, for answers, we turn to the world for, um, for really our satisfaction is, is, is absolutely flawed. And it's a recipe for disaster. We need to put our faith and our trust in God. The last verse for today, and, and we'll be out of here fairly quickly, is this. Verse number five. David sums up all of this, the first four verses, and says this. Many, O Lord... My God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. I'm here to say we serve an amazing God who blesses us beyond measure. Many times we miss the mountains of goodness and the mountains of praise that we should be saying because we are focused on a pebble of difficulty. One of the biggest things that has changed my life and, and, living, and, and the direction of living in Christ is the idea that I control what I focus on. If I am struggling, I have found it best to stop and take time to start thanking God. Start with the small things. And the small things will turn into medium-sized things, and the medium-sized things turn into large things, and you gain a momentum of praise and blessing and realization of proper perspective that where it is back where it should be. The idea that God is always blessing us, and David says it, it, says it absolutely best in, this, in the verse. It says, if I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. My challenge to you this morning is very simple. Can your children, can your coworkers, can the people that are closest to you declare God's goodness in your life? Because you have shared it with them. You have shown it through them. You have shown it to them through the way that you're living. God is our rock to stand on in the midst of storm. He is the warmth and brightness on our sunny day. And regardless of my emotions or lack of awareness, God is always there, loving, directing, challenging, and blessing me beyond measure. May we be a people who show others the change God has made in us, not just in word, but by our actions, because we trust and love our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray.